It's 2022. Do you know where your consumer is? The Channel Mastery Podcast is created for executives who are obsessed with knowing everything about their target consumers, because that's what unlocks the future success and impact of our brands and businesses today. Every week on this podcast, we dig deep to bring you what's working and what's not when it comes to winning the attention of and building loyalty with your target consumer. We've got a lot to share, so let's get to it. And thanks so much to Verde Brand Communications for being the presenting sponsor of the Channel Mastery Podcast. Let's do this. Hey there, everyone. Welcome back to the Channel Mastery Podcast. Kristen Carpenter, your host, and also the founder of Verde Brand Communications. I'm so stoked to share today's guest with you. I've got an incredible show. You're about to meet Bryce Phillips, who is the CEO and founder of Evo, an outdoor experience company. It's actually a global company now with locations in Japan, Canada, and the United States. And under the Evo umbrella, there is specialty retail, there's travel, there's lodging in terms of hotels and a BC lodge, backcountry lodge up in BC. There's recreation, more backcountry skiing, outdoor recreation, two skate parks, and then there's evolution projects, which is the real estate arm. So Evo is an investor and owner of the real estate as well, and it's a little bit interesting the way it all fits together, but just know that it's all considered Evo, and Evo is really based on community, outdoor experiences, and bringing people together through shared experiences. So keep that in mind as you're listening to our guest today, who founded Evo in 2001. I mean, that's amazing. (laughs) He was quite young at the time. He still is young. You're going to love hearing Bryce Phillips' thoughts Uh, In this podcast, he shares so much, and I can't wait to share this conversation with you. So without further ado, here is the Bryce Phillips podcast on the Channel Mastery Show. Let's do this. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Channel Mastery Podcast. I'm absolutely stoked to introduce Bryce Phillips to you today, who is the CEO and founder of Evo. Welcome to the show. It's so great to have you here. Thanks for having me. And I know um, you have more to your title these days. So I'd like to start our show by just having you give a little bit of an introduction to our audience. I'm sure everyone knows who you are, but it's just great to kind of hear a little bit about your background and you know what fired you up to do this in 2001. <laughs> and look, sure. at, yeah, yeah. look at the evolution we are, we are at today and as we're in September of 2022. Yeah, so... Um... You know, I, I get asked the question a lot about the beginnings of Evo. And in many ways, it started long before 2001. So I won't go through the, all of the all of the uh, genesis. But um, really, it started when I was inspired, you know, by skiing, kind of getting into the outdoors and my uncle taking me. And I was the way I kind of describe it is I've been trying to figure out how to buy lift tickets ever since. Um, but um, fast forward, you know, I was buying and selling as a little kid. And, and, and moving all the way into, um, you know, junior high, high school, and ultimately college in Seattle, um, I moved to Whistler and started selling on eBay and on the sides of roads at like pop-up sales and in my dorm room and everything in between in the late 90s. So late 90s, eBay, first time selling online, and then 2001 launched the first site, which was evogear.com. That's awesome. And we have so much to talk about just in terms of where the business is today, we've seen so much change. I don't even have to go into that, you know, in terms of the great unpleasantness of COVID. But with that came just such a fast iteration of our consumer. And you're one of those um, business leaders who's on the front edge of that and really feels to me like you lean in instead of constrict when things get more challenging. And so I would love to kind of start with that. Um, 
I've read, you know, as I was researching and preparing for our interview today, that Evo is really described by and large as an outdoor retailer and experiences company. Can you give us a little bit of like the foundation under that? And then I can ask you a little bit around how you manage risk. <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, you know, it, it's, um, we've always looked to kind of blur the lines. Like even when we were, um, again, pre our first store, 01 to 05, whether it be an event where we'd have, you know, artists and, um, you know, fundraising and retail and kind of all of it mixed together to ultimately opening our first store where it was one part community center, gallery, music venue, one part retail store. We've always looked to kind of go beyond what may have been seen as like the kind of core, core business, if you will, which was retail. So on the experiences front, um, that, that really manifests in a number of ways. Um, we uh, launched a, a travel business, gosh, it's almost 10 years ago now. Our first ever trip was a combination trip between Japan and Bali, kind of the, the ultimate, you know, adventurous trip. Um, now, now we operate across around the world in a whole number of different ways um, with regards to travel. Uh, we have uh, a hotel at our new campus project in Salt Lake, which we're really, really love and proud of. It's called Eva Hotel. We have a couple of skate parks called All Together Skate Park, um, a backcountry lodge, and a number of experiences that really reflect the passions of our customers. So. That's why we kind of talk about experiences. It's really been kind of in the DNA from the beginning. And now it's starting to kind of come to life in different ways. Well, and I guess I, I'm curious about that. Obviously, this show is about helping executives really understand their consumer. Like that's ultimately like everything we stand for here. And um, a lot of my guests have really resonated with the consumer is the channel. It's actually something Mike Massey from Locally coined like a couple of years ago. What do you think about that in terms of like your business? Because you're so, so consumer centric and you move so quickly. Yeah, no, it's interesting. You know, um, I don't know if I should admit this, but I, had, I hadn't heard that. And I, I do, it does resonate. You know, I think it's, it kind of makes me think of the fact that like we've always been kind of this blend of art and science. I mean, the art is really like, what is our intuition saying? What is it that resonates with us? You know, if we're in the shoes, which we are in the shoes of these consumers, like what do we love and what really strikes kind of that, that chord or um, really brings that passion out? Um, so, you know, if we're, if we're designing, curating, and really kind of crafting this blend of experiences for these consumers, then like, what would that look like? So that's definitely guides us. Um, of course, you need to make sure that the the data and the other kind of, I would say, you know, the information that we leverage to kind of make smart decisions, that's there, but it's always that blend of the two. Right. And that was art and science. Is a, it's a perfect way to talk about it. And I think that's a place where a lot of executives, there's just almost too many choices today in terms of like mm -hmm. how they look at that and study it. But it really sounds to me like the people that you have on your team really exemplify who you're serving, not only you, but like your entire team. So it sounds to me, like you said, it's an equal mix of like instinct and data. Maybe the data supplants what you're feeling from an instinct standpoint. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's, I mean, there's some early, early examples too. When, when we opened our first store, there's all kinds of conventional wisdom and, you know, quote unquote, kind of best practices that would have said or pointed to the fact we shouldn't have done a lot of things we did. And it's like, why would you carve out you know, 500 square feet for an art gallery or put everything on caster so you can move it aside and have these big parties. Like it, you know, that really was about that instinct and that the more that kind of the art and understanding um, of what we believe would really resonate. Um, 
And I would say that, yeah, on the data side, it is, it's, it's pretty much 100% of the time reaffirms what the team kind of intuitively understands. Um, so not to pat ourselves on the back, but it's like, I would say, I would say that's a reflection also of so many other people that we, you know, in our community, whether we know them firsthand or there are other folks that like we know kind of have a passion for the outdoors and all these elements that surround the outdoors, you know, time and again, like bringing experiences to them and making sure that they're compelling, engaging, and really kind of, you know, everything we build stands for something. Like that's kind of the pattern, right? From, from again, early 2000s to you know, 20, 20 years later. And I love that because the older playbook of retail where it's like, okay, I have this real estate, I have to make this percent profitable, right? Like in, in when you're looking, foot, right? Yeah. yeah it's yeah. such a great analogy. I love that. But really you're serving a consumer who identifies and wears Evo like an identity. The consumer is the part of that community. And I think that's really important to that emotional connection. I think so. I, I think that, um, yeah, I mean, to, to the point around like, you know, footage and, and how, many, how many things you should be able to sell within that footage, like what really came down to trust. It was mm-hmm. um, certainly, you know, you're, you have to run a viable business. And our trust came in, hey, do the thing that we think matters most and will add value for our customers' lives. Do the thing that really kind of inspires them. And it, and it also inspires us, we know, is, is kind of at the end of the day, good for the community. And the business will follow um, again, it doesn't mean we take our eye off the ball with regards to kind of measuring across the business with regards to, you know, different, um, you know, just the, the metrics that we should all be looking at as a good retailer uh, and or a good operator of other businesses. But it's kind of like, you know, again, like trust first and then make sure that that, that ends up matching uh, to, what we, to what we ultimately measure. Well, and there was a big blip in terms of the experience you were offering and probably the way you were capturing feedback with COVID. And now, as we were talking before we hit record today, like the summit that we did in in April of this year, so just a few months ago, topically, there have been a lot of changes in terms of what the executives are keeping their eye on the ball with now in outdoor recreation. And obviously, here we are in fall. um, There's a lot of pressures and different headwinds in the business than there were in Q1 and Q2 even. So inventory glut, you know, inflation, deflation, softening consumer sentiment. So I'm hearing loud and clear that you definitely charge forward with a, a strong gut instinct and trust. But what happens if there's just a big change in terms of how your consumer either wants to spend money or can spend like physical time with you? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, we were before, you know, these recent challenges kind of reared their heads. We were talking about like not the end of COVID, you know, people felt like they were kind of coming out of it and things were going to be great. And we really were, didn't know what it looked like, but we're starting to have that dialogue around not making sure we didn't let our guard down. Um, I think thankfully is over many, many years, we've looked through what we call a forever lens. And so, as we built the business, we've made decisions like looking long, right? Because that's that; those are our directives. That is how we think about the world. That's ultimately um, kind of how we manage everything we do. So how that translates is, you know, the the way we manage our balance sheet, uh, the way we make commitments, and the way we manage relationships. Like all of the things that that you know, all the decisions and things that we do, decisions we make and decisions we do. The, sorry, decisions that we make and the things that we do day in day out they all are a reflection of that, um, again, that forever view. And so, so what that does is that sets us up for a time when there's gonna, it's going to be bumpy. You know? So if we had been only, if we'd been single-threaded and looking at like you know, a quarter or one year, 
well, we're going to be caught on our heels. Um, and, and thankfully, um, that's not the situation. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Uh, we, we certainly kind of are seeing and experiencing, you know, some of the headwinds that I think all of us are. Um, but, you know, the decisions we've made, given that we had a long view and given we set the business up for long-term success, it puts us in a position to navigate these bumpy waters and also move in an agile way so we can respond and turn some of these challenges into actually advantages as we kind of move through this time. That's what I love to hear. And it's really scary to actually think about doing that because so many, uh, you know, from the brand side, from the retail side, so many leaders are having to make short-term decisions right now. A couple of the people I've just had on the podcast recently, like Ann Mazanga from OmniTalk or Steve Dennis, who runs a site called Remarkable Retail. I was literally like, in the, in the conversation I was having with them, I was like, give us something. Like, tell mm-hmm. us how to be remarkable during this time and not just be promotional. Mm-hmm. And the way like he kept going back to every touch point, tell your story. Mm-hmm. And I get a sense that your, your way forward with this longer view is every touch point, give them the Evo experience. Well, I love It's funny that you say that right now because it's been an internal dialogue just literally in the last few days. But I would give us a, a decent mark of doing that, but we, are, we really have a long ways to go. And, and we see that actually in the numbers. For example, customers that come into contact with Evo and are in our stores, on our trips, within our hotels, and then also shopping online... Like they're far more loyal. Like it makes sense, right? It's a more immersive experience. There's a stronger connection. Those who are shopping only online are far more transactional. And again, that probably doesn't surprise anybody. But when you talk about at every touch point, tell your story, we're actually not fully telling our story at every touch point. So I think, I think we have a big opportunity there. Um, I will say that thankfully our focus on differentiation and, um, and the way I've described kind of the way we make decisions like that has... If, if had it not been for that, we would have been gone a long time ago. Um, if it weren't for our focus on community, if it weren't for our values, if it weren't for our cause and the things that we look to do in the way of impact, we would we would have been gone. And that's like a guarantee. I know we would have been gone for all kinds of reasons, but the transaction only in driving sales and trying to make money, I mean, that's critical to, to, you know, to being a business. But if that's all we were focused on, we just wouldn't have made it this far. So Lifetime Sea Otter Classic Summit 2023 is joining Faraday Brand Communications as our sponsor for this new year. The goal is to deliver the solutions and best-in-class resources presented to executives in the outdoor recreation industries at the summit to you every week on the Channel Mastery Podcast. And we couldn't be more excited to exceed your expectations on that goal every week. So at the summit earlier this year in April 2022, Right before the Sea Otter Classic, we gathered over 200 executive leaders from the outdoor, bike, endurance, and vehicle-supported adventure markets for two days of business intelligence, specialty market resourcing, and peer networking. It was awesome because it happened right before the Sea Otter Classic, which literally had about 80,000 consumers there. And guess how many people camped at the Sea Otter for multiple nights? Almost 7,000. Okay, this is a a very special consumer event and to have this right before it is huge. We're going to share all the details on the 2023 summit in a very uh, near-term episode here and watch, uh, we'll be announcing things from a marketing standpoint, but I just wanted to make sure and thank Lifetime and Verde Brand Communications. Thank you so much. I have to ask, and I'm not sure, like, I think that it's different this question will probably be different as it pertains to different aspects of, of how you're operating in the, the different parts of your business. But as a, as a leader who moves so quickly, 
you really do move a lot more quickly than I think a lot of the very established are there large brands or retailers out there, let alone travel and real estate companies leaders. Like, but how are you thinking about you know de-risking some investments around growth mm-hmm. during a time when that's like number one, it's really important to do, as you say, to keep the balance sheet in a good position. But you're also seeing a lot of opportunity out there. I can mm-hmm. just sense it, right? And you have <laughs> we have new things to talk about here in a few minutes. Mm-hmm. But talk a little bit about how you de-risk investment and growth, especially during a time like this. Well, I'll draw on a super specific example. Uh, right when COVID hit, all of us were absolutely certain that things were going to be really bad across the board, right? Real estate, retail, all of it. And having navigated 2008 and at a level been battle-tested, having to kind of try to figure out how to get to the other side of that. Um, and I'll say that for Evo, it was like the imperfect storm, far beyond the economic crash. So we barely made it. Um, you know, and, and also working with people who had, have navigated tougher times, like we just like right away, we had a whole number of very like kind of bigger strategic moves, campus, rhythm in Japan, the Backcountry Lodge, the Journeyman Lodge in, in BC near Whistler. The list goes on. We had a bunch of big strategic moves. We didn't kill any of them, but we paused all of them. And we said, hey, like, let's like understand how this is going to play out. Let's like get into a good kind of defensive posture, make sure that from a cost perspective, like we're in, in the way we're allocating cash, we are doing that um, given the assumption in, in a smart way, given the assumption around this being a really <clears throat> excuse me, tough chapter ahead. Um, and so we did, we did all, we made all those moves and we did it very quickly and we didn't overswing the pendulum when it came to cross cutting. We, we did make some moves with regards to cutting costs, but we um, could have gone much deeper. And we said, that's, that's not right based on what we know today. As those next couple of months played out called April, May, we got our, we kind of found our footing. We started feeling some of the economic tailwinds that we did not expect given, you know, the desire to get outside and people wanting to go into the outdoors and actually buy real estate. I mean, like all these things that happened that we couldn't have called and now with the benefit of hindsight, maybe we should have, but we didn't. Um, That was for us what striking that balance looked like with regards to making big strategic moves and also kind of safeguarding the core business and making sure we are a good, good spot so that we could kind of make it, you know, make it to the other side. Now what happened is exactly the opposite of what we predicted. And so as that played out and actualized like within the business, we took our foot off the brake and we, you know, press go on campus. We press go on rhythm. We press go on these other moves. And that was really, again, a specific example of how we've navigated, you know, both being quick, being strategic, kind of like looking to do something that maybe isn't done out there while also ensuring that we're not too far ahead. Um, And so even now we're, we are, we've, you know, we have a certain amount of, Headcount that we'd approved for this year, we've we've melt, we haven't cut it all by any means, but we've also like pulled back a little bit on new headcount. We want to be careful. We want to make sure we can protect our existing team and and be in a good spot um, as things shake out over the coming year. There's a number of other examples, but um, but finding that balance, like balance is like this elusive you know relative word. But for us, that's how we struck it when COVID hit, and it's kind of how we're striking it right now. It it is it, so much back to instinct, isn't it? I mean, a lot of the people I talk with are even if they're investing so much money in data or, or, you know, more research, it usually like nine times out of 10 times, they're like, this is what my gut was telling me. It mm-hmm. almost like gives them permission, yeah. but they knew inside already what was going on. You yeah, know? for sure. And then the other thing that's very specific is we just, man, we just build a profitable business. You know, we're, 
we don't have a bunch of leverage. We don't like manage just to top line and and with without like really focusing on bottom line. Um, the you know the last time we lost money was like during the the big crash many 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 years ago. And I kind of promised myself, we promised ourselves as a as a leadership team, like that's just not how how we do things. So you know there are some very specific ways that come to like the P and L and the balance sheet and like uh, what we do to de-risk the business. In addition to that, of course, layered in are all these different decisions we make um, as um, kind of as things play out. Well, and, and that brings me to, you know, some, some things that have been in the news recently. So obviously, July 11th, you announced an acquisition of Blue Agave and America's Best Value in Properties in Tahoe City. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'm very, very curious to get your take on how you look at these communities and select them for campuses and different experiences. And then I'd love to go deeper in terms of how you get to know those communities and really embed yourselves in there. Yeah. Um, well, you know, in many ways, when we opened Seattle, we didn't brand it campus, but it was a skate park, a retail store, and then our, our flagship retail store, and then two restaurants. So it's like kind of a mini version of what we're doing now. But fast forward, we launched Campus in Salt Lake with some partners and some development partners called uh, Lake Union Partners. Um, and we took 100,000 square feet of existing really amazing historic brick buildings and kind of brought them back to life. And within that campus, there's an amazing bouldering project, uh, kind of bouldering gym, uh, altogether skate park, Evo Hotel, Level 9 Sports, Evo. And now we're building building multifamily units next door. So an apartment building, 180 units next door. Um, Fast forward now to kind of today, we um, have always known California. California has been on the short list for a long time. And when we came out in California, we're like, okay, so how do we have the biggest impact and one that we think is really going to, you know, create a bigger ripple effect um, with regards to like our customer base and what we, what we want to be and what we want to make clear uh, across California and beyond for that matter. Um, and so while kind of years ago, we assumed that would be in a pretty ma- a major Metro because, you know, our first three stores were Seattle, uh, Portland, Denver, um, and then Salt Lake was next. We now are in Whistler, we're in Niseko and Hakaba and Ferrano in Japan, we're on Snoqualmie Pass and we're up in Hood River. So we have more of a recreational footprint. And in California, we were like, you know, let's come out in the recreation. Like, let's do it in a place that is truly iconic. Um, and that word gets thrown around a lot. And so it kind of wins a little bit. But, you know, I think that Tahoe, I think that's, I don't I think that's, that's not a, a disputed um, kind of moniker for a place like Tahoe. Um, and in North Lake Tahoe, we just had a long history of like relationships, friends and, and folks from over the years skiing around the world. And in a very organic way, Tahoe City kind of rose to the top. Uh, Truckee's great. Truckee has gone through a massive renaissance. Um, a lot of friends there. I think it's awesome. We also um, really look to find the places that are incredible, but also we can be more of a catalyst when it comes to kind of positive change and quickly you know, getting on the ground and sh- talking more with with folks there, Tahoe City became that place for us. Um, so to your last question about like, or your other question about um, how do we look to embed or engage in the community to have an impact? I mean, that comes out in a number of different ways, celebrating local artists in Ta- I mean, in Salt Lake, for example, there's 60 artists from Utah that like are, their, their work is throughout our hotel rooms and big murals and throughout the entire campus. That's one way, um, music, so on and so forth in Tahoe. Um, while we will music and art and working with local nonprofits, all of that will be part of what we do in a bigger way as we actually bring those business, or sorry, we're going to re- renovate the buildings and come out as Evo here in the next couple of years. Um, but one specific example 
of an opportunity that came up is to partner with the with the Lap family. Um, and the quick story there is that um, this last winter, tragically, um, a beloved uh, kid in the community named Scotty Lap lost his life uh, skiing at Palisades. Uh, we were connected with his parents, Jason and Amy, and they were already working down the path of trying to build uh, or fund and build a permanent skate park, a, a positive place for kids in Tahoe City. And we we were introduced because people understood that was something that we loved and would love to be a part of if we could if we could help in any way. Um, what transpired shortly after was this kind of idea around, hey, can we find an interim location while we're waiting to build the, what will be the the forever location? And so um, it could, I couldn't believe the way it came together, but we're on a call and I surfaced the idea, hey, you know, we're about to close on these properties and we would love nothing more than to partner with you to to figure out a way to kind of get a park off the ground like right away. And not, and not, I'm not even exaggerating, like a few weeks later, we came together with the community and in a 72 hour sprint built the Scotty Lap Memorial uh, Skate Park uh, in, in what will be our, our, our Tahoe City campus. So That's that was amazing. a lot, but um, that really kind of brings it full circle back to community and what we really, really care about specifically working kind of to, um, you know, just to impact the lives of kids, especially those that are underserved in marginalized communities. And those exist everywhere. There's this, there's this idea that they're only in big urban centers and that's just not the case. There's every kid needs inspiration. Every kid can benefit from that kind of trajectory change or that slight, that, you know, that mentor. Um, and Tahoe City and working with that uh, community and group of people has just been so inspiring. So um, we're looking forward to doing more. Um, really feel like we're just getting started, but um, but yeah, that's kind of our that's been our first move thus far. And I'll put links to the articles in our show notes. But I just want to say, I thought it was so classy in this article. I'll post the San Francisco Gate <clears throat> online article. Evo's the last paragraph. Mm. The whole entire story, which is kind of it's mm. like a mirror of how I think you go into these communities. Mm. It's like all this is happening, and you go in and kind of like build a little bit of a foundation or you give a hand up and like, and what we talked about before we hit record today was like, I mean, this is what we're in business for. Let's face it. Okay. Yeah. I feel like, um, not the old version of like being in business only for profit and you know, who is your true stakeholder and what is your purpose? I think that you're uncovering that more and more as you get through your life. Would you agree? It's the only way. It's the only way. I mean, it's a much longer, longer discussion, but there's, you know, it's a reflection of my childhood and, and things that I saw um, and uh, through really close friends growing up. But I was uh, asking myself at a very early age, like, okay, like if this is what I'm on the earth to do, and these are the things I'm able to do, like, how am I going to leverage that to have an impact? And it's also a reflection of my, you know, my parents, amazing parents that instilled certain values, but we're not, we never sat around the table and said, oh, you know what? Now people care about impact. It's like, no, 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 no. Like it has to come from an authentic place. And since day one, you know, there's a number of things we've really underexposed it just because it was never about getting a headline. It was never about like getting people excited around Evo. Like this is just what we do because we know it's the right thing. It's what we care about. And, you know, now though, as kind of time goes on and I think about the bigger opportunity, I'm like, this is about like leverage. Like how do we leverage our reach and, and maximize the impact we can have on a global scale? Like that's incredible. When it was out of my garage and we were around the campfire talking about the future of Evo, like that was a lot of fun, but we only had so many hours and so many dollars, right? There's so many hours that we could donate and our, our volunteers, so many dollars that we could donate. And as time has gone on and we have a certain level of scale, 
like the way in which we can, again, really um, move the meter with regards to like the kids and the communities we care about, it's, it's grown. But I also would say it's like tip of the iceberg. What happens when we look out a decade and we consider our global footprint and all the customers we touch day in, day out, all the doors we can open for people to walk through in the way of, you know, coming alongside and, and working with communities to do these things that really, really do matter. Um, so yeah, I, I, I really hope that, that there is a much bigger move like societally to kind of align business with regards to um, the outcomes that we all really care about. Um, but, but whatever the case, like that's certainly what we're going with it. And, and we've, we're proud of what we've done, but again, I feel like we're just getting started in that, in that regard. And I know that that's what is going to get you out of bed in the morning now is, is that leverage and the reach that you can have. Um, I, w- I just wanted to ask one more quick question before we wrap up here today. And that is, you know, obviously I kind of see you as a PhD and understanding your consumer, <laughs> an uh, honorary PhD. That's a, I never, <laughs> that's a, a tumbling. I appreciate that. Yeah. And maybe you could shed a little bit of light. Like what is it you're thinking about when you look around the corners into like 2023, where is our consumer going to be? I mean, they're obviously going to still be plotting through COVID and, you know, coming through kind of just a, a crazy amount of global unrest. Um, then we have what's going on in our country. You're a global company now. So I'm just curious, like, are there any things that you kind of have in the back of your mind or, you know, that you're working toward or you and your team? Yeah, I think it's really, um, it, it's, uh, it really is reflective of what kind of what we just talked about. It's, mm-hmm. it's really understanding what is this business all about? Like what, what, like we can all have, we all have options with regards to kind of who we pick to do business with, whether it's buying something, you know, that you need every day or going on a trip or whatever it may be. And so my hope, my belief is that it's just going to matter more and more um, uh, with regards to what is, what is this business doing that goes beyond these transactions? Like what does it really stand for? Um, in addition to that, I mean, at least for us, and I think it's going to be for other brands, like really crafting kind of truly immersive experiences. Like web is still 101, right? Like we're all early with regards to like e-commerce and websites. And we're all trying to kind of, you know, deliver a more immersive experience the way we do in store and with these with travel and recreation. But it is so early. Um, and so I think that you're, we're going to see and definitely be focused on at Evo just ways in which we can kind of like better bring like what it's all about to life digitally and then seamlessly connect that to everything we do physically. So how can a, a customer could be online and Google a black, you know, ski gloves, they come in and they show up at Evo, but what are we doing to take that consumer all the way through this entire Evo offering? Next thing you know, they're on a trip to Japan meeting amazing people or they're volunteering with a nonprofit down the street they didn't know about and or they're staying with us in Salt Lake or their kid is skateboarding at ATS. Like, Fill in the blank. We want to make sure that we can take a customer in, engage a customer wherever wherever we come into contact and bring them seamlessly through this blend of really incredible immersive experiences um, that we deliver across Eva. That's that's how we see the future. And we've got a ways to go, but we're certainly working on that. And I, I love that. It's perfect. It's a great way to wrap up. It has been great to sit and chat with you here today. And I just want to thank you so much for your time. And I would love to have you back um, and just kind of keep us apprised of how things are going and what the transition is like for you within Evo. Um, you've really inspired me and I hope everybody else who tuned in today feels the same. So thank you so much. It's been great having you on the show. Awesome. Appreciate it and look forward to the next opportunity. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Channel Mastery Podcast. Please give us a thumbs up if you like what you hear, share it with a colleague or friend, and also make sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. 